Morning, church. Uh, stand up if you wish there was still a whole lot more winter to come. If that's you. Yeah, like you're the winner, people. Go ahead and stand up. Be proud. You wish there was more winter, like a lot more winter. And now, and now have a seat. And if, if you wish spring were like here today and never going to leave again, stand up. Yeah, spring. How many of you are ready for summer? Stand up. Yeah, yeah. All right, have a seat. It's not about you. Hey, so we're super glad that you're here. One of the things that we want to also push, uh, we didn't talk about this already, uh, is if you're an Instagram follower or a Facebook follower, one of the great things you can do is follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. We, we disseminate a lot of information on there on the life of the church and what's going on. We also uh, are, have been putting just a ton of faces and names and a little blurb about people to help you build community. And so if you're one of those people who follow one of those uh, two platforms, can you please, even right now, go ahead and do a follow on there, and then um, that'll help you stay even further in touch. We've been in this series called Next, and what we're trying to do is look at what are the next steps that we have uh, in regards to our faith in growing uh, in Christ, and how do we take that uh, next step also as a church. And so we're looking at both of those two entities. One of the things that we try to do quite often is reiterate what our mission statement is, and that is that we exist to equip every single person Every single person to take the next step in becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Every single uh, person. Really, our goal, our, our mission as a leadership team, uh, both pastors and elders and past elders and ministry leaders, is we want to see more of the heart of Jesus becoming more of the heart of this church and more of the heart of our individual lives. That's why we exist. That's why we worship. That's why we do potlucks and mission trips and baptisms is to grow closer closer in those relationships. Last week, we talked about love. Uh, if you missed that, you can jump on our website and catch that. And this morning, we're talking about growth. I would love for you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. It's roughly in the middle of the Bible. You'll give you some time to get to that. Um, and we know that growth is important because anything that we value in life, we want to see grow. We want to see our 401ks grow. We want to see uh, our midsection not grow. We want to see our kids grow up. We want to see our careers grow. We, we just want to continue to grow. Uh, we want to be a better husband, a better father, a better mom, a better friend. We want to keep moving in relationships. Matthew chapter 9. Uh, go ahead and open that. If you don't have your Bibles, that's no problem. We have several in the seats in front of you. You can grab one of those Bibles or turn on your phones or iPads and use the electronic version as well. But we'd love for you to have the scriptures in front of you. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Jesus says, the harvest is great. In other words, there's a lot of work to do, but the workers are few. He says there's this great mission, there's this great adventure that's waiting, but the workers are few. There's not enough workers who are growing. And before we set out to go do the work, we have to grow a little bit. 
We have to continue uh, to grow. We know this before you send your kids out in life as they get ready to adult. Uh, you'll see on our new website, where's Miranda? Uh, Miranda has uh, a quote under her picture. This new website goes live on Friday uh, for us. Uh, her quote is, I'm adulting pretty hard. Uh, and so uh, she didn't pick that quote. We picked it for her. Um, but she is adulting pretty hard, and we're super proud of her. But you parents know this, right? If, if you're getting ready to launch your kids, whether it's to college or, or just out of the house, there are some things you kind of want them to know right? You want them to be a little bit responsible. You want them to be a little bit safe. You want them to make wise choices. You want them to grow before you just toss them out of the house. And why? Why is this so important spiritually for us as a church? Why do we put this on our mission statement that we want to continue to grow and to create fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ? And here is one of the primary ways, because if you stop growing today, you will stop impacting tomorrow. And nobody here wants to not have an impact on tomorrow. But if you stop growing today, you will stop impacting your tomorrow. Maybe it's literally tomorrow, or maybe it's the next season of life, or it's the next career, or the next church, or the next place you're going to live, but no one wants to be unused. Everybody wants to have a place. You don't want to be worthless to God. And we want to be a church that continues to, to really push our people to keep growing. And as you grow, not only in relationship with Christ, but in years that you finish strong. We have Irv's funeral, celebration of life this Saturday, 92 years old, finishing strong, even laying on his bed in the hospital and giving advice to us. Why? Because we've got to keep growing if we want to impact tomorrow. And Jesus says that in order to grow up, you need leadership. You need Jesus' leadership in your life. You don't need my leadership. You don't need the person sitting next to you's leadership. You need the leadership of Jesus Christ in your life. He is the ultimate leader. He, he is the one that uh, teaches us that great, great growth in our life comes from great leadership, and we find that in Jesus. And here's what he says, starting in verse 36. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because uh, they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The idea was that people weren't growing because the authority figures, the leadership figures in their life had let them down. The, the parental figures, the parental authorities had let them down. The political authorities had let them down. The cultural authorities, the religious authorities had let them down. And therefore, they weren't growing because they did not have a leader. And Jesus sees this, and, he, and he's, he's not angry. He has compassion. Because they were confused and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is not just a great leader, he's the leader. And in a culture that says you can have several different leaders, in a culture that says go to the self-help bookstore, in a culture that says jump on the websites, there's so many different ways to get guidance in your life, the Bible makes it abundantly clear Jesus is the only leader. And yes, that's counterculture, that says we are right and they are wrong. I get that. 
but I just invite you to test it. Test to see if Jesus is a worthy leader. And I think you're going to find that he is, even more than what you already know today. So where do we start? What's the next step in being led and to grow? Look at verse 35. It says that Jesus traveled through all the towns and the villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And we learn here that it begins with the crowd. It begins with an outer ring of of those who might be curious about this Jesus you speak of. Uh, those who, who are in great need, those who are broken, those who are sick and are looking and maybe asking, who is this guy? I, I've heard of him. I've heard rumblings about him. Who, who is this guy? They're curious. And, and some on that outer ring because of their needs. And that's okay. My mind, my body, my marriage, my kids are broken and therefore I'm looking for some hope. I'm looking for an answer. I'm looking for something to grasp. And it seems like every year in culture, and some of you are significantly older than me, and you've seen this, this trajectory. Some of you are significantly younger than me, and you're learning this trajectory, is that culture continues to evolve looking for hope looking for something, someone to believe in that's not going to be shaken. When our world seems like it's in crisis, when there's anxiety every time you turn on the news, when there's uncertainty, the world is looking for something that will withstand this test of time. Help. And Jesus says, look, people start their journeys in different places. Some of you started your journey with Christ super far from God. Or maybe that's you today. You're, you're, you've been brought by a friend or you wandered in here or you're watching online and you're very far from God. But you're curious. You're listening. You're willing to give a chance. And, and that's okay. Why? Because Jesus came for the sick. He came for the broken. He came for the questions. He came for the doubts. He came for the sinners. That's good news. If you don't know that, that's good news for you and I, that he came for the sinners. He didn't come for those who had it all figured out. He didn't come for the perfect marriage. He didn't come for the perfect friendship. He didn't come for fill in the blank. He came for those who are in great, great need. And here at Rock Creek Church, we want every single person who walks through our front doors to be welcome. Every question Every doubt, every obstacle, every anger, every faith, divorce, death, mental illness, alternative lifestyles, way, 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 way far from God, you are welcome here. Why? Because that's what God does. God flings his arms open and says, come to me just as you are. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to act a certain way. Come as you are and I'll meet you. And here's why. Look at verse 36 to see how Jesus responds to the crowd. When he saw the crowds still with all their junk, he had what? Compassion. The heart of God is not the heart of an angry God. 
If you ever begin to feel the voice that's looking at you and your sin and your mistakes and your failures and your struggles and you in any way sense that God is angry with you, that is not coming from him. He is compassionate. He is kind. He is gentle. He is loving. He is God. And he is all-powerful. But the way that it is manifest to us is kindness and love and gentleness and compassion. That's the God we serve. That's the God that needs to be conveyed to the world around us. And that's what we find as a crowd on the outskirts. But then Jesus says, I don't want you consuming anymore. You first came to me with your questions. You first came to me with your doubts. You first came to me with your struggles. But I don't want you to stay there. I'll meet you there, but I want to take you further. I want to see you grow. I want to see you take incredible strides in knowing who I am. Not from an institutional standpoint of church, but in a very loving God who wants a relationship with you in in a place of intimacy that you don't even know exists. That's what God wants. He wants you to be part of the miracles, have you be part of the adventure and the ministry that's yet to be had. But he says, I need you to let me lead every area of your life. I need you to just lay everything down. I need you to literally surrender your finances, your time, your attitudes, your opinions, your ethics, your morals, anything you think needs to be brought before me. And if you do, I'm going to take you to places you can only dream of. That's what we do. And so how does Jesus do this? Well, a great leader shows you the same world in a different way. You know, sometimes we think, okay, if I decide to follow Jesus, then, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be turned upside down and I'm going to be brought into this new hemisphere of life itself. No, a good leader will take your same world and allow you to see it differently. And that's what Jesus does. A good leader can see the issues. A good leader can see the problems. But a great leader can see the answers and the direction and the hope and the promise and the life behind the life. And that's what Jesus does if we'll let him. Each day. Because he's the only one who can see it. He's the only one who can see the potential. Paul, go ahead and stand up my bald brother. (laughs) Paul, now you can sit down. That's Paul. His bride is Cheryl. Now you all know each other. Paul flips houses for a living. Paul has taken me to some of these houses, and they are less than optimal, to say the least. Disgusting to some degree, some of those houses. But Paul walks in, and he can see the diamond. Paul walks in and sees what it can become. Paul walks in and can see the potential. It's the same house. The structure's the same, but it begins to take on a form differently than the life it leads now, and it gets flipped, and it's beautiful, and it's gorgeous, and he does incredible work, but he can see the opportunity. He can see the potential where other people can't. 
Other people will walk into the house, turn around and go, oh my gosh, I'm not touching anything, and leave immediately. Paul walks in and goes, my gosh, this is awesome. It's weird. Jesus, hear this, friends, Jesus is the only one who can see your circumstances more than what they are. You can't. Jesus is, is the only one who can see your marriage more than what it is right now. Jesus is the only one who can see the struggles of your kids what really is going on, the life behind the life, than what you see right now. He's the only one. Jesus is the only one who can see your college future and your career future. He's the only one who can see, if you're pregnant, that baby within you and what that life is going to be. It's the same life, but he can see it in a way you can't. Jesus is the only one who can see the struggle you're in the midst right now. He's the only one who can see where that life is taking you. He's the only one who fully understands your pain and your despair. He's the only one. And if you're willing to grow and walk with him, he's able to show you the exact same world that you're in right now in a different way. Isn't that awesome? It's crazy to think about that you could go home right now, that you could begin to walk with God and say, I'm going to surrender the way I see the world, and I need you to show me the way you see the world. Not just from a global standpoint, from, but from a very personal standpoint. And be ready. Because when he begins to reveal what he sees, you may not like it. Or you may stand in awe and drop to your knees. Look with me at verse 36. He says, when he saw the crowds... When he saw the crowds, he's challenging what we see. What does Jesus see when he looks at the world? What does Jesus see when he looks at people? What does Jesus see when he looks at the crowds? He saw potential. Miranda and I are getting ready to lead these students to San Francisco. Some of you are in this room. We look at these kids, they're wide-eyed, they're like petrified to go talk to people on the streets. We see the potential because God has allowed us to see that potential. And the same can be had for our individual lives. And let me tell you what, what Jesus has allowed us as a leadership team to see in the new chapter of Rock Creek Church, and it is ridiculously exciting. We see a connected community like we've never seen before. We see a multi-generational, a multi-racial community that represents the kingdom of God. That's hard in Boulder, but we're going to see it. Local outreach for foster care, the crisis pregnancy center, and the homeless. Global reach to places like Juarez, Uganda, Rwanda, and more. An increase in our biblical knowledge for life change in ways that we have never seen before because we know the scriptures. Discipleship through life groups, a new worship center. You guys, some of you have seen the picture there. We're going to start uh, putting uh, new drawings and pictures and prayer requests and dates and funding all on that screen to keep you informed. This new worship center, right now there's about 155 chairs in here. The new worship center in the front of the church to hold over 230. 
so that we can grow and reach more people in the name of Jesus Christ. A MOPS program, mothers of preschoolers who will begin meeting here in the fall. They're looking for a new home. They found it here at Rock Creek Church, and we will house that every Tuesday for moms of preschoolers so that we can invest in them. That's happening in the fall. This room, as you look around, we will go from that, that tile area for kids uh, of, of barely any space, and this room will be turned into our children's ministry area so we can have a thriving and exciting area to make disciples who make disciples in the next generation. A lobby where we can build ministry and connect with people so we're not on top of each other. To reach across the street within a 10 to 15 minute window or around this church into our neighborhood and, and begin to reach people who are looking for what we offer here. Because we're special, no, we're, we're very well aware we're not special, but Jesus is. Amen. A student ministry who places such high priority on relationships and walks through the, the, the desperation and the anxiety and the depression of what it's like to be a, a teen today. It's hard. If, if you're a, a seasoned person, I'll let you decide what age that is. Please don't make the mistake of looking at a kid and go, I, I know exactly what you're going through. We've all been teenagers. You have no clue. It is a different world than what you experienced. And so God has allowed us to see the same world in a different way. And I could go on and on and on about the exciting things that are happening, but no mistake, God has given us a huge vision for this church and the impact that we will have in our culture. And here's what it's not. If we look at life the way that we see it and not the way God sees it, we see a bunch of work. We see a bunch of costs. We see a bunch of effort. We see long-term. If we look at it ourselves, it's overwhelming, but God has allowed us to see it as a miracle that he's doing within our midst. And it's the potential because he allows us to see the same world in a different way. And so this is the next step in growth. And we invite you, if you haven't already gone there, to ask God to begin to see the world around you in a different way, to see it the way that Jesus does. Here's the risk of seeing it with our own eyes. We will look at work and go, man, if they only did this, life would be so much better. If I, if I was in charge, if I were the boss... Man, life, there would be no problems. If you've ever not been the boss and now you are the boss, you know that's not true. It's the same problems. If my husband only acted like that husband, we'd have the perfect marriage. If my kids only were like this, we'd have the perfect family. If my finances were taken care of, then, then everything would be great. If this person wasn't running for office, then our world would definitely be heading in the right direction. That's that's me eyes. That's us seeing our world with our eyes. But God says, if you trust me, I'll allow you to see this world the way I see it. What causes someone to, to drive down the streets of Boulder or, or to go on a mission trip and be broken and begin to weep? Because you get God's heart. You see life the way that he sees it. Your heart leaps for the things that causes God's heart 
to leap. And your heart is broken for the things that breaks God's heart. And that is a freeing place to be. But in order to get there, this means a whole lot less of you and a whole lot more of him. This means a whole lot less of you. This means a whole lot less of me, and I own that, and a whole lot more of God. Notice it's not doing more for God or accomplishing more for God or reading more about God or praying more to God. It's more of him and less of us. And so how do we take that next step? Jesus tells us, he says, it's actually not that hard. The problem is not the abundance of the harvest. It's in the laborers. It's in the growth of the laborers, the people who are willing to be grown up and sent out to be used by God in ways that they can never ask or imagine. So here's the step, verse 38. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. And that means start now. Start small, but start now. And if you've already started small, then start medium. If you've already been hitting medium, start big. If you've already started big, think out of this world. But if you're just getting going, start somewhere. Start small. Start praying for your neighbors. Start praying for your coworkers, the people at the gym, those, those cursory relationships. Start. Pray for the church. Pray for the ministries. Pray for me. I would welcome your prayers. Start small, but start. Don't wait until you're mature. Don't wait. And we've done this. We've all been there where we go, man, you know, when I'm old, when I'm, you know, 28, when I'm 30 and I'm old, then I'm going to get my act together and be real mature Christian. Don't, do not wait. Start now because starting now is what creates the maturity. Beginning the small things, the small prayers, the small acts is what creates the maturity. Just watch. When we get back from San Francisco and these students are on this stage, you will be in awe. You won't be in awe yet if we bring them before you before they go. Hamatea. Huh? Just, just wait. Because Matea is being groomed to be a warrior. That's what's happening. And when they come up on this stage, you're going to have goosebumps and go, my gosh. They started small, but now they're warriors. Start somewhere. Give a word of encouragement to someone. Maybe it's a word of the Lord. You ever have someone do that? They go, I got a word from the, uh, a word from the Lord for you. And they tell you, and you're like, eh, I don't know if that was quite from the Lord. <laughs> you can give encouragement with it not being from the Lord. That's okay. Just don't preface it always with this is from the Lord. Walk up to someone and just give them some encouragement. Do that today before you leave. Encourage someone. That's starting small. You can go to one of the students at the bake sale and walk up to them. Don't just buy a Rice Krispie treat, but look at them and say, I don't know your name. Remind me again. I promise I will pray for you every day. You're going to crush it. For you, that's starting small, so do that. Serve someone this week that didn't ask for it, but start. This last Tuesday, I went to Taco Bell. forgot to tell Sandy. I just had a craving for Taco Bell, and I know that's not on the keto diet at all. So I went to Taco Bell, and I just had this, this thought of, just buy a whole bag more, not for me, 
just buy a whole bag more. So I, I got my meal, but then I got a whole bag more, and I got in my truck, and I'm like, all right, Lord, who do I give this to? And I just sat in the Taco Bell parking lot for a moment. I'm like, this isn't like over-spiritual, Lord, but I need to practice more. And so I just began to pray, Lord, who do I give this to? And I felt like God said, well, it would help if you start driving. So started the truck and began to drive, and I found this young man, this young, uh, blonde, blue-eyed male who was just sitting in the middle, uh, not in the middle of the road, but whatever that, like, the median is, and he was just sitting there, and so I drove up, put my hazards on uh, so that, you know, if I got rear-ended, I don't, I don't know what that does to help, but I put my hazards on, got out, literally stopped in the middle of the street, and I'm like, hey, man. I got all these tacos. They're not Taco Supremes, but they are regular tacos. And he's like, oh my gosh, I don't think he cared about the Taco Supreme. And I just gave him the tacos and I talked to him for a little bit. I said, hey man, what's your name? Gave me his name. And I said, I'm going to be praying for you. I got to go. And I left and I went, ah, should I have stayed? Should I have done more? Should I have put him in my truck and given him a ride and brought him to our house and raised him? And I, you know, all these, all these thoughts are going through my mind. And I thought, well, hey, at least I gave him tacos. It's a small step. It's a small step. It's a small step. I don't know if that, that kid's life's going to be changed, but I do know he ate. You don't know that going to the back of the room and giving one of these students a, a kind word of encouragement is going to change their life, but you know you're going to encourage them in that moment. Some of them are scared to death to go to this trip. Start small. Send a text. Pull out your phone right now. Ignore everything else I'm saying. Send a text to someone. Send an email. Write a snail mail. Remember we used to do that? They still sell stamps. <laughs> Write a note to someone. You'd be amazed how shocked people are when they get something in the mail. It's like a miracle. Start small. Start growing. If, if you've never read the Bible, don't end today so motivated and go, Ma, I'm going to read the Bible cover to cover. You will fail. If you've never read the Bible, trust me, you will hit Leviticus and you will come to a screeching halt. <laughs> but you know what you can do? On a regular basis on our Instagram and Facebook feeds, we're constantly putting scripture verses. That might pull up in your feed. You might read the verse, and maybe that's your start. You've never been a part of a life group, and you go, oh, we've put this off long enough. We're going to go and get involved in a life group. Start somewhere. Because if you want to be one of those workers in the kingdom, you've got to keep growing and being led by the leader, Jesus. And listen, a good leader, we're talking about this, Jesus being the ultimate. A good leader sells you on something, and a great leader sends you out. You are to grow to be sent out, not to be sold on something. Look at what Jesus says. This isn't exactly great news. Look at what Jesus says in the next chapter over, Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 16. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So that's super encouraging. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. I know some of you are petrified of snakes, so I've lost you already. Hang in there. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. Verse 21, a brother will betray his brother to death and a father will betray his own child and children will rebel. My 
combined you against their parents and caused them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. Verse 28, same chapter. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They what? They can't touch your soul. You might go through some serious hardships because you make your proclamation, your declaration, your your allegiance to follow Jesus Christ with your whole heart. And you might endure some serious stuff, but they cannot touch your soul. They cannot break you. You say, well, nice sales job, Jesus. Way to get sign-ups. Not the way a marketing campaign would go. Sign up, you're going to get flogged. And you might be going, Brian, where are you going with this? Well, here's where I'm going. Jesus isn't out for you to sign a contract and say a quick little nice prayer and then find out the details, the fine print later. It's not what Jesus does. Jesus wants you to know what you're getting into up front. Jesus doesn't want to pull one over on you. That's why the man runs to Jesus and says, hey, I want to be your disciple. I want to be your disciple. And Jesus says, awesome. Here's what I need you to do. Go home and count the cost. You need to think about it. Because what you're signing up for, what you're alleging to, what you are giving your allegiance to, you need to know what you're getting into. And there will be greater risks, greater costs than you could ever even come close to hoping to prepare for. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be messy and there will be death. But I will show you a way of this world that you cannot see on your own. You are going to see your high schools. You are going to see your families. You are going to see your workplace in ways you could never have dreamed of if you'll let Jesus. And he doesn't try and sell us. He sends us. He sends us because the harvest is great. Jesus says that as you grow up, I want to send you out. I I want lateral movement, Jesus says. I want you to keep moving from adventure to adventure to adventure, from ministry to conversation to person. I want you to keep moving new things, but the same you. You're gifted. You're strong. You've read my word. You've interacted with me in prayer. You have creativity, you have hard work, and I want to use you. This is what God is speaking to you. I know you, and you know me, and I'm doing a new thing in you, and I want to ask you, church, are you ready? Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that new thing? As you grow, are you ready for your next assignment? You are not here by mistake. You are not sitting here right now by a mistake. God has been waiting all morning to speak to you and your heart. You have purpose, you have value. You have worth to God in his kingdom. And you're not done yet. Yes, it's Rock Creek Church, but it's bigger than us. Aren't you glad it's bigger than us? 
It's the kingdom of God. It's good. It's the leader, Jesus. And you know what a good leader also does? A leader can show you how to do it, but a great leader reproduces himself. A disciple, a rabbi who makes disciples, who makes disciples, who makes disciples. That's why we exist as a church. The weight of building this church, the weight of our finances, the weight of our discipleship, the weight of our growth, the, the, the weight of caring for one another in prayer is not on our shoulders. It, it, it's on the only one who could endure it. It's on the cross. It's on, it's on the life that hung on this cross. There was only one who did. There was only one who, who bore the weight of sin and, and pressure and everything that gets thrown at us is on this cross. And that has nothing to do with the institution. That has everything to do with that personal relationship. And then he says in Corinthians that I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. I haven't given the pastors, I haven't given the elders, I haven't given the religious elite. I have given you the ministry of reconciliation to take what you've experienced, to take what I've given you, and then to go into this world with it and to help reconcile the world to me. And he cho chooses you. Not with condemnation, not with a finger pointed at you, but with love and pride and belief in you. You can do it. Are you ready for your next mission? Are you ready today for the divine conversation that's waiting for you? That could be a moment of life or death for an individual. Are you ready to jump in here at Rock Creek Church and begin to go, I'm in. I, I, I am in with what God is doing here. We have limited time left on this planet. We don't know how many breaths we have left. What are you going to do with them? Will it matter? How will you spend yours before you see Jesus Christ? face to face. We talked about last week, one of the ways is we love today. We grow. Are you committed to growth? Let's pray. God, I believe that there are areas of, of growth that we can't even imagine that you have waiting for us. There is understanding about your word. There is understanding and enlightenment about the kingdom of God. There, there is a, a, a further relationship with you, King Jesus Christ, that we can't even imagine. We can't even ask for because it's not within our realm to even imagine. But if we jump, We know without a doubt you'll catch us. When we're on empty, you will fill us. When we feel like the world around us is crumbling, you hold it all together. And when you say go, we go.
and we know that we don't go alone. I want to thank you that your word never returns void. That it teaches and instructs. That it encourages and rebukes. That it nourishes. And we so badly need that. We're so busy. Our worlds are so loud. We need you, Prince of Peace, more in our life. And so as we continue to worship you in song and in heart, would you continue to direct and guide us? Would you walk this room in every aisle and every chair and speak to the heart of every single person here and those watching online? Speak, Lord Jesus, through the power of and the gentleness and the compassion of your Holy Spirit. We promise to listen and tune our hearts to hear you. For it's in your name that we have gathered and prayed and read the scriptures and walked up to your throne.